millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, saucerheads? This is Ryan Sprague from the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, and I have an exclusive offer for you to come join me at AlienCon Los Angeles. AlienCon brings together UFO researchers, the stars of ancient aliens, and science fiction fan favorites. But most importantly, it brings us all together as like-minded people to talk about these topics. I'll be giving lectures and taking part in numerous panel discussions with some of the most popular UFO and unexplained podcasts out there today. And don't forget to check out live podcast recordings of Somewhere in the Skies and Unknown, hosted by Jason McClellan. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend you won't soon forget and you get to be a part of. The event is June 21st, 22nd, and 23rd at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Tickets are on sale right now at TheAlienCon.com. And if you use the promo code SKIES at checkout, you'll get an exclusive discount on all tickets. Again, use the promo code SKIES. For guest info, special offers, full schedule, and tickets, visit TheAlienCon.com. And I'll see you there. Today on the show, writer, actor, and seasoned UFO researcher, Steve Berg. I think it's like... You know, whether or not any of it's true, it, it almost doesn't matter to me anymore. You know, like it's just interesting. It really is. And I feel like there's just something going on that's non human. <laughs> you know, like that's all I know. That's the only conclusion I can make of all this stuff is like, I believe there is a phenomenon. I believe we have no idea. And we're probably not even close to an answer. And we probably never will be. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. So the connections both in Hollywood and in the UFO subculture have always been ridiculous, and that pretty much sums up how I connected with today's guest. I was researching Roswell for a television special I was hosting, and in my deep dive, I came across an awesome segment by today's guest on Comedy Central, highly entertaining show he was on called Drunk History, and I did what every podcast host does. I bombarded our guest on his social networks, and he was kind enough to answer me back. And then I saw he knew my good friends Greg Bishop and Tim Banal, who I know are probably listening. So I learned that his UFO knowledge was much more comprehensive than just Roswell. So I'd love to take a deep dive today with him and also talk all about his awesome new podcast that he's a part of called Voyage to the Stars. So Steve Berg, thank you so much for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies. Why, thank you for having me on, young man. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were talking 
off air for a little while here, so I know this is going to be a super fun one, and that's what I have been striving for with Somewhere in the Skies is, you know, we have times, dates, the history of UFOs, but dude, we're just going to deep dive today. Good. I lo- that's where I'd like to live, deep, deep, deep under the water. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, well, let's start with, you know, the origin story. How did you get interested in UFOs to begin with? Well, that is a great question. You know, like the exact, I don't remember a moment, like, well, I, I remember this. So when I was, I think, four or five years old, my mom took me to get a library card. And this is kind of more her story. She remembers it more than I do. But she told me, you know, check out as many books as you want. And so I looked around and I was like four or five, probably really couldn't even read that well by then, if I even could. But I came back with a book about magic and a book about UFOs. And from that point on, I was, I was, I was obsessed with getting like these, my library had this like Billy Myers picture book. Oh, nice. And for me as a young kid, I was like, Oh my God, those are real. I can't believe this. Why is anyone talking about this? Like, <laughs> so honestly, my kind of gateway drug into UFOs was Billy Myers picture books when I was really, really little. Yeah. But I kind of like thought about this deeply. Like, I'm like, why did I get into UFOs? I've ne- you know, never, didn't have an experience or anything like that. I've never seen anything, but I think I might, I grew up in a family with, with like no religion. Like I never went to church at all. I mean, we celebrate, you know, the holidays, but like not really. Uh, and I think maybe I got into UFOs cause I was like looking for something as re- almost re- as a religion replacement. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, like that's, that's doing like a deep dive, like almost like doing self, uh, reflective, therapy on myself but oh, uh, absolutely man i mean <laughs> ufos yeah. they are a belief system in many different oh, yeah. ways so. and as a kid i just like would believe everything and anything just because i wanted to and it was so fun yeah but that's kind of you know i didn't it, it, it's, it's a pretty generic uh way in i just i i thought it was something that like I'm, i couldn't believe that not everyone was interested in uh, <laughs> as a kid it kind of continued to feel that way to be honest so yeah uh, yeah. yeah how how boring steve god you weren't abducted yeah. when you were 10 years old I come know. on man. No, not that i know of maybe i was it'd be great <laughs> <laughs> i wish man it sounds awesome oh yeah well yeah that's pretty cool, man. Like, I, I was sort of the same way. I did have sort of a initiation experience as a as a young boy, but um, I did the same thing. I went that deep dive into my public library. I um, I ended up keeping most of the books, and they never got them back. So. Dude, me too. That's what I would do. I was actually – so funny. A lot of my books are from the Omaha Public Library. Okay, okay. And I just never returned them. I probably – my poor mom probably had to – pay a hefty fine for that yeah yeah exactly i know i feel like i probably own the uh library by now with how much i i owe yeah. them but um well yeah that's pretty cool man i i love hearing how people got into this and everyone comes yeah. at it from a different angle and um like i mentioned in the intro i saw you on um i've seen you i should say mm-hmm. in tv and movies and right. everything and i was really surprised when i saw you pop up on a show my girlfriend and i religiously watch drunk history and you covered right. a case you covered the case the right. seminal case in ufology roswell and you know i had my brush with that recently with the case going out to the actual crash site going to the roswell daily record and right. uh, meeting jesse marcel's granddaughter which was awesome oh that's really cool yeah man like we we really we really tried to strive to do something new and get stories out there and i'll be honest you know when i was approached to do this uh television special i i didn't want to do it i i, I was like right. roswell what the hell 
is left to say about Roswell. What, uh, what yeah, can I say? That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, but coming out on the other side of it after doing it, my mind was completely changed on the entire incident. So, I want to ask you, having Ooh, covered it on TV and um, researching it and everything, yeah, um, what are your personal thoughts? On the well, case. you know, I mean, that's interesting. Your, your, how you said your uh, mind was changed on it after doing a deep dive into it. Because, like, I feel like the more I've learned about Roswell, I guess for the last twenty years, mm-hmm. the further away I get away from thinking that there was any kind of non-human intelligence involved. Mm. But you know, but that I, I don't, you know, like I, I just—it's so hard. You know, it, it, it's such a tough uh, case. I think to really like draw any kind of like conclusion on because while I would say that, you know, it's hard, it's almost impossible to rule out any kind of terrestrial origin of it unless there's something I don't know. Um, but I mean, obviously it's an interesting case because it's kind of like the, it's really one of the, you know, cornerstones of the UFO mythology of the 20th century. And so that, you know, whether, whether or not anything happened there, it is an important case because it's such a big thing in UFO UFO pop culture. It's almost like kind of like, you know, I, 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 you can probably obviously tell I just read Diana Walsh's Walsh Basilico's book. You know, because yeah, yeah. so many of the things that she talks about uh, just really resonated with me in terms of just you know like whether or not something's true, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't make it any less important. Just kind of like creating like new mythologies, kind of that a whole Carl Jung type thing, like. Where it doesn't matter if it's true. Enough people believe this, and maybe we're making it true. You know, like it's, uh, right. it's crazy. I know I kind of maybe drifted a little away from uh, Roswell, but you know, it, in terms of doing it for drunk history, uh, I'll just explain like how that came about. I, I had done a couple of the narrations and done some of the reenactments. Derek Waters is an old friend of mine. We used to, we uh, we both started out at Second City in Los Angeles doing okay. sketch, and so we met there and just became you know great friends and. Uh, you know, when that show, he got that show, he just, you know, asked me to be a part of it. So I was like, absolutely. I can drink beer and be on TV. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take much convincing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of started begging him from the beginning. Like, oh, dude, let me do a, some kind of UFO episode. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of hard because there's not really a conclusion. <laughs> and I'm like, good point. You know? Yeah. And then uh, they were doing an episode specifically on the state of New Mexico. The one season they were kind of focusing on regions and states. And so I was like, Derek, Roswell, dude, I know there's no conclusion, but let me do it. He's like, dude, fine. And he, you know, they end up loving the episode. It's actually kind of like a popular segment for him. But, yeah, it was fun to do. And I kind of came to the conclusion that, like, Project Mogul seemed like the most likely explanation okay. for me. Okay. Which is not popular. I got, like, actually some shit for that, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just impossible to say what the fuck happened. Oop, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, dude, no, we, we're all about the fuck. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Fuck all it's, you it's want. Fuck all my want. All right, so, yeah, but it's, you know, obviously a very important case. Whether you're into Roswell or not, you can't deny its importance. Well, yeah. I, I will I will admit here, and I even brought this up in the our. Our investigation. I, I I tend to err on the side of uh, human when when it comes to Roswell. Right. I would agree with you that I think it was some sort of top secret project. Uh, mm-hmm. My investigative partner and I sort of came to the conclusion that there was most definitely a cover up. You can't deny that. Yes, no, there definitely sort. was. I mean, yeah. even with the press release that was 
Absolutely. They were being very unclear and weird about it. So that makes it interesting, too, you know? <laughs> they, they they spoke more with the cover-up than, you know, than anything else. I in agree. In terms of, you know, retracting the story the the day after. But um, we it was really interesting, man. When we were off camera, we were getting ready to go to another location. Uh, this dude, this local in Roswell comes up to us. He's like, what are you guys doing? And obviously, you know, we're like we're filming. He's like, oh, I wonder what it's about. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he goes on to uh, goes on to tell us, you know, my my relatives worked at the 509th Bomb Group, and uh, they mm. they told me the stories about what happened there. And he went on to tell us one of the most like disturbing stories ever, which kind of related back to all the work Annie Jacobson had done, and all these Ooh. stories about like high-altitude balloon experiments where they were sending children up in these things, you know, oh, discarded God. children, um, oh, disabled geez. children, super dark, man. And, you know, they were seeing how high they could get these these humans into the air before, like, s- bad shit started to happen. So <sighs> for so us, dark. man, it, it's so dark, and it's way more disturbing than a UFO cover-up. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. we we didn't even go there in the special, but it's kind of what we we alluded to at the end of our thing is there's wow. so much more to look into. This could be way more disturbing than any of us thought, and and maybe that's what they wanted all along. Let the public think it was aliens. Meanwhile, we're gonna kill all these kids that no one cares about and Jeez. and start the space race. It's it's insane. It's insane. That is really insane. You know, it almost reminds me of, and I never read the book, but I've read, you know, I, uh, Nick Redfern wrote a book about Roswell. Yes. About- that was very controversial and very, people, you know, were like mad about it. But is that sort of what the, his theory, wasn't that kind of his theory that they were doing like testing on like, you know. Yeah, it was those- um, Japanese POWs. Right. And like, oh, he got a lot of flack for that. But I'm telling you, as soon as we got to Roswell and we spoke to several locals, they all sort of had similar stories to tell now whether it was the japanese or um you know just runaways or um unfortunately like mentally disabled and physically disabled people that community you know society sort of shuns aside um it's 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 disgusting if any of it's true but oh yeah welcome to the world of conspiracies (laughs) oh we're deep in it (laughs) God. Well, you know, sort of sort of um connecting to Roswell. Yeah. Steve, I got to ask you, we lost Stanton Friedman recently. Mm. You know, the guy who basically brought Roswell to the public. So, Absolutely. did you did you follow any of Stanton Friedman's work and what did it mean to you if he did? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I, I don't think you can, uh, you know, be a saucer buff and not have been influenced by Stanton Friedman either directly or indirectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. as as a kid, he was, you know, for me, the face of ufology, I guess, if you know, if you will, like, because he was the one who was on like the legitimate, you know, he he was seen like the you know unanointed spokesperson for ufology in like the eighties and nineties, kind of when I was a kid growing up, because he would be the one on Larry King eloquently speaking about the topic, and also kind of had you know he had a background to to prove it. He was a you know nuclear physicist, Stanford, lot a lot a lot of you know, but like. He, Stan Friedman was the guy, man, you know, like he really was. And I think sort of at a certain point in my, you know, UFO uh, personal, you know, like looking into the topic, I maybe stopped caring about some of the stuff he was talking about, like in terms of like, you know, the government, like government and UFO stuff is like, while it's interesting to me, is not that important to me because I, 
I actually tend to believe that the government <laughs> maybe has more evidence of this stuff, but has no clue what it is. <laughs> like, I, I really <laughs> believe that for some reason. I feel like I, I need to be proved wrong on that until I would think anything else. But, uh, yeah, Stan Freeman is a, you know, larger in life luminary of the, of the field, man. I, I love the guy. I actually, the only run-in I ever had, and I was a, I was a kid, probably 13 or 14, at a UFO convention in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Stanton was kind of like, you know, the, the big, he was the big closer of like the week, the weekend, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to see Stan Freeman. So my mom dropped me off like an hour away from Omaha where I'm from in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I spent it, you know, spent a couple of days and going to these lectures. And I, I was just floored. It was incredible. But I remember waiting in a long line to, you know, it, it was like a book signing for Stan Freeman. And I, I didn't have a book, but I just wanted to wait in line, like shake his hand. And so I get in the line, shake his hand. And he's like, what? No book? And I'm like, no. <laughs> And he goes, next. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, disappointed. I was like, eh, sorry. <laughs> I'm a kid. <laughs> oh, but, uh, man, that's great. I, I think, you know, but he, like, it sounded like from what I heard, like, he, he went out doing what he loves, man. Like, there was no, you know, like, he was, like, literally, like, on tour or, like, going to yeah. a speaking engagement or something like that. I mean, that's how I want to go. You know, like, doing what I love, but still still having passion inside me. And, uh, yeah, man, I think he, that that's a life well lived. I, I, I would have to agree, man. I mean, like you said, like, he sort of preached the same thing for over 50 years, but, like, there was something to it. And, yeah, you know, it's important what he was saying, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he had his little sound bites. So, yeah, he was the one they would put on TV because he knew how to work the media. And he knew That's- how to, like, make the most of the time he was given to talk legitimately about UFOs. So, you know, we have so much to thank him for in terms of that, I feel. No, hundred percent. I mean, I I use the term gray basket for like things all the time. <laughs> gray basket. I was, actually, yeah. I was actually talking to one of my managers about setting up a couple ideas I was working on. She was asking me about one of my ideas. I go, ah, I just kind of t- toss it on the gray basket for now. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love that. She has no idea what, what that's referring to, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, what's that other one he had? Noisy negativists. I yeah, think it was. Noisy negativists. <laughs> yeah. He's got a couple, man. He's got a couple like buzzwords that are pretty great. But I mean, how? What, like, I feel like that's going to catch on like right now because I mean, we're just swimming in a world of noisy negatives, ne- negativists right now. Uh, yeah, I know, man. Dark times. <laughs> Stan Friedman knew more about the world than just UFOs. So yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> but like you said, he went out doing what he loved. He was on his way home from giving a UFO lecture. So what else? What more can you ask for? I, I mean, I think that's, I think it's kind of beautiful. Obviously, you know, like maybe his family would have preferred to be around him, but like, I'm yeah. sure they were like, you know, he was doing what he loved. I mean, what more can you ask for? You know? Yeah. Well, getting back to, you know, some of your, um, your, your brush with all these UFOs and Hollywood yeah. and everything, man, this is a bit more on the paranormal side. Um, sure. and I know it's a little, uh, it's a little sordid history for you, but I have to ask sure. in Walker ranch, the film that uh, you've yeah. done, um, found footage film. Is there anything you're willing to share with us about your research into into Skinwalker and the process on that project? I well, you know, like a lot of especially independent movies where you're getting, um, you know, when you're kind of like somewhat at the with any look with anything in Hollywood, you're sort of 
at the end of the day, someone at the mercy of who is giving you money to do this. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm so well aware. <laughs> I, uh, you know, live my life as it's kind of like idealist, you know, uh, I, I still think Hollywood can be about art and, you know, like doing something exactly what you want, but, uh, when you're not paying for it, it doesn't turn out that way most of the time. Yeah. Anyway, it, but, so I, I had gotten fascinated with, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, I think maybe hearing George Knapp talk about it on a show mm-hmm. on one of his, it, it wasn't with Art Bell probably at the time, but either it was what, you know, he was hosting the show, but anyways, he did, uh, this show years ago, probably 10 years ago now, about Skinwalker Ranch, and I was like, just holy shit, captivated. And I remember going out and getting the, his you know book about Skinwalker Ranch and reading it in one sitting, mm-hmm. and then like reading it the next, next week. And I had just done this indie movie that was shot in Utah, and it was a really – it was a fun little movie. And uh, so I kind of became you know buddies with the guy who financed it, the executive producer, and I pitched him this idea. My friend uh, – well, not, I, not myself. This uh, Devin McGinn, who was my partner uh, in this project. And, and he did you know most of the directing of it. He really – I was kind of just more of a quality control guy on the set. But uh, we pitched him this idea literally just in a, on a car ride. We had no material. And he was like, I love it. I'll give you guys this much money to do it. And we're like, what? And he was like so serious, like set up an account for us, like started paying us to develop it. And we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that was easy, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it was such, I, we felt like it was such a good idea. And we had kind of a way in, you know, I we, my pitch was it was kind of like a more of a psychological thriller, not a horror movie. It was not intended to be a found footage movie for, you know, it was more like poltergeist set on a ranch, you know? And I'm like, how, I'm like, to me, that sounds really good. More of a psychological movie, you know? But, uh, you know, the, that when it was coming out, the found footage trend was uh, reemerging in a big way. So we, at the last second, kind of got pressured to turn it into a found footage movie. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know. That's life, Yeah, that's Hollywood life. You know, like, I don't, like, hate it or, like, shun away from it. It's just not the movie I intend, intended to be a part of. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was – I look back at it and say, like, hey, it was a job. I made some money. Moving on, exactly. you know, like yeah, I was gonna say you got to research Skinwalker Ranch, which hadn't really been done that much at that time, you know. Not really, yeah. No, I mean, and I did, dude. I mean, like, I still love Skinwalker Ranch. I think about it all the time. I always, I'm always like trying to convince my wife, like on our next vacation, hey, what if we took a road trip through Utah? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. It sounds great to me. You know? <laughs> but eventually I do what I, you know, I actually have a couple buddies who are like, you know, mildly interested in this stuff. And I'm trying to convince them to take a road trip with me there and like camp. And I love fly fishing. So I'm like, we'll fly fish on the way, man. It'll be great. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's still a pilgrimage I need to make. I used to get a hotel like in Gorm and stay there and just like, bullshit with locals and you know drink beer to hockey talk so that sounds fun to me it sounds awesome did you did you happen to see that recent documentary on skinwalker ranch oh yeah 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 i saw it as soon as it was available the um the uh, i can't remember his name uh he's got a long jeremy lockerbie corbell's yes. film yeah 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 no i watched that in area 51 and Look, I mean, because here's what I will say. I felt very gratified to see like more pictures of the property and some, um, but I feel like I don't, you know, without saying anything like, you know, like, you know, I don't want to like rip it apart because any effort to do something about Skinwalker Ranch, I applaud. But, uh, it, 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 I think it, it left a little something to be desired for me. It, it might, I think it's just his style of 
directing and maybe crafting a documentary is not for me. You know, a lot of people have said that, and Jeremy's a, a friend of the show. And um, but you know, when you make films, like it is out there for the public to either rip apart yes. or praise. And you yeah. know, I think he's still finding his footing. He's getting his voice out there. But at the end of the day, like you said, how do you how do you cover Skinwalker Ranch in like an hour and a half? It's I mean, impossible. It's an impossible task. That's why, like, I say, like, I applaud him. Like, I, I love that that dude's out there doing what he's doing. Like, I will, I'll, like, and, you know, like, I know he's sort of a polarizing figure, and that's fine. You know, like, that almost makes him more interesting to me. But, uh, yeah, it's really, like, I, and that's what I kind of thought when I was going to watch it. My expect, I kept my expectations somewhat low because I'm like, how do you really cover something that really isn't documented that we know of? I mean, maybe there's like, you know, secret videos and secret pictures and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, you know, like, it, it, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's an impossible task. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I've watched it twice. So it's not like I didn't <laughs> like it, you know, like I would not go back a second time. But I, I just to be able to see more pictures of the actual property to me was I felt so, it felt so good, <laughs> you know, because like I could look at just like mundane pictures of that property all day. Like for some reason, it just excites me to totally, no end. Man. Well, I feel the same way about the Area 51, the Bob Lazar film he did too. Yeah. Is, you know, I, I've always been very on the fence about Bob Lazar and I went yeah, to the, uh, the LA premiere of that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'll tell you right now, man, like I left definitely like, a little changed, feeling more like I believed Bob Lazar. At least that he saw what he says he saw. Now, whether or not that was all bullshit or disinformation, like, I'm completely open to that. But I left being like, holy shit, like, I I actually believe this dude. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's No, look, I I actually, if, if, you know, if you had to, if I had to make a choice, I agree with you. I think he says something very important. The whole thing that I believe that he believes what he's saying and what he believes. You know, I believe that he believes what he saw. And I think that is very powerful. It's the same thing with, like, Whitley Strieber. It's like he has no real evidence. But I believe that Whitley Strieber experienced what he thinks he experienced. It, whether or not it was actually what it was, who knows? But, you know, like, so I, mean, I feel like you had you kind of hit the nail on the head. That that what you just said, I think, applies to a lot in this field. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? It is the mantra. I believe they it, believe this. <laughs> I, yeah, and and that's important. Really important, actually. You know, so that that's it's you know it goes. I mean, I'm not trying to tangentialize too much, but that's kind of that. You know, it's like almost Jacques Vallée ish. It just goes back to the whole thing where he said. He, he, you know, he believes this topic is way more complex than aliens coming from another planet, you know, and it, I don't know. I feel like the more and more you look into this stuff and then the more and more you read Jacques Vallée, you're like, how, how do you not subscribe to a lot of what he's saying, you know? Right. And dude, I mean, there are nuts and bolts ufologists out there and that's, we need that. Like that's the yeah. stuff that's going to make it to the mainstream data, yes. radar, um, trace yeah. evidence. And that's awesome. And it's like, yeah. we need it. But at the end of the day, like I'm the kind of guy who I want to interview witnesses and get their testimony. And sometimes that's all we have to rely on. Yep. And, but I think these stories are very important. You know, I really do. And, and I agree with you. Like I, I am probably, I'm more turned on by listening to experiencers, contactees, or people who have even secondhand knowledge of high strangeness. Mm -hmm. I I will always be interested in in people's stories. Will I always be interested in, like, the Navy's involvement in the Tic Tac incident? I mean, you know, like, it's frankly, I find it all very boring. (laughs) You know, 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 if if you want to get into all that, but, like, 
I follow it, sure, but like you know, almost at an arm's length a little bit, just because I feel like it's. I find so much redundancy in all this stuff, and I don't understand why people are so excited right now. I, 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 I understand the fact that like Washington Post is like writing articles. That I will agree, of course, is exciting whenever like a mainstream uh, media sort of like that covers it, you know. But let's it's, it's, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's touch on that, Steve, because actually, sure. you know that that is what is in the zeitgeist right now, and you know we have this new show coming out by Tom DeLonge to the Stars Academy. Yeah. I and sent like, my DVR just before we got on. Nice, nice. Hell yeah, <laughs> man. It's, it's a good show. I've seen the first episode. Um, but that being said, like, there's no arguing that what these dudes are doing and how the mainstream media is covering UFOs right now is... It's big and it's it's out mm-hmm. there unlike it's ever been before. So I mean, not getting too deep into to the stars or the navy or anything like that. Right. Um, what do you think about this being a new sort of era of disclosure? I mean, my fucking parents are texting yep. me, being like, "Oh, we're gonna watch that show tonight." Oh, your aunt's coming over. Like they can't believe this. Like, oh, they're yeah. just on Good Morning America. Like it's yeah. crazy the amount of attention this is getting right now. And is this all a marketing ploy for this TV show or? I think it is. Do you? Okay. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I mean, like, just knowing how uh, Hollywood likes to market. And look, at the end of the day, you know, History Channel doesn't give a shit if they're disclosing real information. They care about numbers and ratings and how much they can charge for ad dollars. Yeah. So the more they market this, the more they give money. I mean, it's just like when you do, when, you know, when I, when I do, even like my podcast, I'm on, they send me out to do press before it even comes out. So this, you can look at it as like, look, I, I don't think uh, Jimmy Kimmel or Stephen Colbert is that interested in having people from that that show to be on, you know, so they have to market it somehow. So to market it as kind of like this, like, I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, this sounds like I'm trying to like, you know, take the air of the tires. But uh, I do believe that this is I mean, if you, if you don't believe this is marketing, then I, I don't. I don't think maybe you understand how <laughs> how TV works. This is definitely, I mean, it's definitely, you can see that this is their marketing campaign before the show comes out. And that's fine. And, like, it's really cool that, like, Good Morning America is taking an interest in this stuff. Yeah. But I just have to go back to one thing that I think is really funny is that, you know, so many people in the UFO community for years and years and years have been like, never trust the government. Never trust a word they say. They're lying to us about UFOs and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And now when the government comes out and tells them that, yes, UFOs are real and this is, how, you know, this is what it is, everyone's like, absolutely, the government's right. We totally believe that. <laughs> it's, I find it so hilarious. It's so funny to me. Oh, man. The it, irony. Like a, well, yeah. And then in like the Tic Tac video, you know, I remember seeing that 10 years ago. It's not. Really? It's not. Oh, the Tic Tac video came out. Like it was, it was released a long time ago, like in 2010. Yeah, I mean, the, I've heard, I've heard rumblings of that, and people have seen it. I personally had no knowledge of it. Um, but again, like I wasn't really chasing UFOs that closely back then. But that's interesting. So you knew about the Tic Tac event much much I, earlier. I you know, yeah. All it looked like to me at the time when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that looks like some uh, radar footage of an airplane, you know, cool of a little thing that, you know, is flying around. So it, it wasn't that exciting then, but it, I guess it got more exciting when you heard the story behind it and you heard some of the testimony and they started talking about it, how it was like going in and out of the water and all that stuff. That is all I'm not. Yeah. I find that stuff interesting too, but I'm just a little like skeptical of, how all this is being rolled out. I feel like to buy this whole cloth and just like 
buy into this whole situation is a little weird, especially when an entertainment production company is the one. You know, like I'm not trying to disparage it. Like, good for I'm glad this is all happening, but. You know, I think a lot of my friends, and like, yeah, like you too, because everyone, you know, a lot of people who know me, you know, for more than two days know I'm into this stuff. So yeah. people are like, dude, are you, what about all this stuff? They're forwarding me there. I'm like, yeah, it's cool, man. You know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I found the Chicago O'Hare incident way more exciting than oh, totally. all this, all this stuff, to be honest. So totally, man. Well, you, that's, you make a good point too. Like, we have to, we gotta remain level-headed when it comes to this. There's people who are super super pro tom DeLong and to the stars and and then you have the people on the complete opposite side saying like oh this is all just a whole disinformation campaign all over again we've seen this you know throughout the decades in ufo some rick doty stuff yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so i'm kind of still somewhere in the middle i applaud the efforts um i think it it's making ufos cool and dude, yeah. like you and I both know how long we've strived for the oh, UFOs buddy. to be cool. <laughs> it's been an albatross around my neck. You know I me, mean? you know I me, mean? like like shows I've, I've spent time developing and pitching about like UFOs and paranormal and all this stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's a tough road. But I feel like now, oh my god, it's now it's my time. I have a chance. <laughs> Let me. Well, that's actually my next question, man. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact there are a ton of UFO shows coming out after this uh, History Channel thing. You know, I'm guilty. I'm part of one of them. But I got to ask you, in pitching these UFO shows to networks Mm -hmm. and um, all that, what kind of UFO show would you want to work on or watch on TV, I guess is... Um, well, mine would be more of something where it's not about like finding the truth, but it's more about the, the people and the characters. I'm really fascinated with um, 1980s UFO culture, <laughs> you know, because I think it was such the wild west. And I didn't really experience it, but I, you know, like read Jacques Vallée's like um, his journal, book journals about the 80s and like, uh, you know, just like all the William Moore stuff going on, the Benoit stuff going on. It was like, such a, I, I, I would feel like a TV show based off Greg Bishop's book, Project Beta. Oh, is, God, is, yeah. It's the show I want to make. Like, I've talked to Greg about it multiple times, but like, I either want to make that into a movie or a hour-long com- sort of like – not comedic comedy show, but like a, sort of a dramedy. Because I feel like a lot of this UFO stuff, especially with the people and just the culture of it, is absolutely hilarious. Totally. Not in a way of making fun of people or their beliefs. It's just – it's just that, you know, like I remember hearing one story about Adam Gorightly in one of his books, Happy Trails to High Strangeness, wrote that he went to like some like weird UFO conference in Nevada. And one of the UFO, I think Jordan Maxwell <laughs> was selling rotisserie, rotisserie chickens like before. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, that is what I want to make a TV show about. <laughs> you know? like, when I read that, I'm like, nothing funnier to me. Nothing funnier to me. <laughs> like, you know, I would probably want to do something that was a little bit light and funny because like, I don't really want to try to compete with like all the, the you know, the serious like X-Files, like governments, you know, hiding secrets from you. That type of stuff is becoming a little boring to me, I guess, my old age. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, it was my dream I would do a Project Beta, the TV show. <laughs> Dude, that is like a pitch that so many people can get behind. I've thought that for so many years after I read yeah. it the first time. I'm like, holy shit, this is a movie. This is a movie right here. It, 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 it is. It's a movie. I even think you could stretch it out to six seasons of TV. You know, like, you know, I really have to, like, take some liberties with, you know, some narratives and stuff like that. But just to base it off Project Beta and then, you know, kind of tangentialize and go off from there. Oh, what a great palette to work from. Absolutely. Well, let me get your opinion on this. Are you uh, are you pro or anti Project Blue Book, this history television show? I tried to watch. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, it, that's another one where I'm like, all right, they're they're making Heineck this serious, like, staunch believer and like almost like an action hero. Means meanwhile, you've got this rich history of the guy who literally on the way to going to investigate a case as it's happening, his car breaks down with his other like government officials. So they're waiting for another government car to show up. And Heineck is like, fuck you guys. He hitchhikes like 50 miles to the site where it happened. (laughs) And he gets there before everyone else to investigate, be the first one on site. And that's the kind of shit I want to see, man. Yep. Yep. Dude, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think they kind of, uh, they had a huge opportunity with a show like this. And, and sometimes I feel what happens is they get these great opportunities or someone has a great idea and then they hire a writing staff that has no interest in this topic at all. Yeah. And so they're just going to tell a very surface story. It's it's so true, man. I had David O'Leary, the head writer, the creator, I should say, on the show when uh, the first episode aired. And right. you can tell this guy is 
so passionate and trying to do so much justice to Heineck. And he right. knows his stuff. My God. Uh, oh, but like you said, man, once the execs get involved in these yeah. these people who have no history with the topic or or care whatsoever about, you know, this niche right. UFO community, it, it's it's got to be tough. I can't imagine the struggle that yeah. O'Leary's going through right now with the pressure oh, of yeah. a season two, you know? It, it would be it's very tough because so much of the stuff at the UFO topic that I love, I think to an outside audience would be considered mundane. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the idea of like hiding hitchhiking. I would love that. You would love that. But I, the execs, they'd be like, why? No, that takes five pages of the script. <laughs> you know, like so it's, it's like honestly a lot of the good like nuggets. I bet that this guy wants to tell he just have he's struggling up against, you know. But again, like I like that it's out there. You know, it's just not really probably. I think, you know, when, when a UFO show comes out, they really try to target people on a on a, like almost like a one-on-one level yes. if it was a college course we are i mean not to be like you know this is nothing to brag about it's maybe uh something to not brag about because i you know potentially maybe wasted a lot of my time looking at this <laughs> stuff but uh we're at a master's level you know what i'm saying like so the stuff i'm gonna want to see is probably not what 98 percent of, of you know people want, would want yeah. who, who would watch this show that's what I say about even like Project Beta. Like I want to make a Project Beta TV show. I don't know. I think it would be a tough pitch. People would be like, see, you want to make about UFO culture in the 80s? Excuse yeah. me, what? What? Where are the aliens? Like, there's no aliens. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's so true, man. Like well, yeah. I got ripped apart for my Roswell special just because all these UFO vets are like, this is everything we already knew. And I kept telling them, guys, this is the CW. These are like 14-year-old girls watching this. They have never heard of Roswell. So it really, I understand marketing and demographics when it comes to It's a business at the end of the day. It's a business, yeah. So So like, you gotta, you gotta realize when it's, when it's straight up television and when it's like uh, a documentary, they're completely different things. So yeah, I I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of like, I can't really talk about too much. Not that it's like, should be secretive, but it's just like because I, I really shouldn't. But I'm, I am, I am myself developing a half hour sort of doc series on the UFO topic and other weirdness. But um, it, it, it is an uphill battle because you know, like I have to. I'm trying to make a show that I think people can find humorous, interesting, and then my goal is to have like people like you and Great Bishop and Tim Banal say that's a good show. Cool. Cool. Well, but you know, that is such a hard balance, man. <laughs> it is. It's like it's it's like almost the hardest thing I've ever tried to like develop. To be honest with you, so but if I, I you know I hope hopefully I get a chance to at least shoot a pilot. So cool. You know, well, you know we're all in your corner uh, for uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> well, look, going back to the UFO community, Steve. Um, you know we've heard some of the most incredible stories, and uh, some are just borderline crazy. Like let's yeah. let's be honest here. I, and I love and I love I love. And that's why we love this field. And they come from people telling them uh, who I I don't I I hate singling people out or alienating people, but they gain these huge followings, almost like a cult like mentality. So why do you mean maybe someone like Corey Good? Okay, you said it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But why do you think that is, man? Do you think there's like a place for people like this in the quote unquote UFO community? Absolutely. Now, I would when you said we started even saying this, I looked over my bookshelf and I saw and this is a synchronicity, but uh, Messengers of Deception, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books about the UFO topic really lays out 
like really lays out it's almost predicting people like Corey Good and, and uh, David Wilcock. And I'm I'm not judging them. They're doing what they're doing and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But they they have taken this angle of not we're not UFO researchers, people who know the truth. And if you listen to us, you are gonna find out what the truth is. And that is basically sort of the same thing as a cult leader. Or any, you know, every religion started as a, as a cult. You know, even Catholicism, it was all a cult. You know, originally it was probably just eight dudes going, "Hey, how do we control people?" Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I, I largely feel like if you read, if God, Messages of Deception is such an important book to reread right now. I can't even say that enough. But Jacques Vallée warns about these types of people coming into this field and. You know, co-opting the UFO topic into a metaphysical, I've got the answer, listen to me, you know, if you give me, you know, $20 or something like this, I'll tell you more. <laughs> I mean, it really is, you know, like, uh, and so, I, I mean, I find all that stuff deeply fascinating, too. The, the, you know, people's, like, just need to believe in something incredibly sensational, you know, like, in, so UFOs as religion is definitely a thing in my eyes. Yeah. You know, it really is. It, it's and it's a new religion. And Carl Jung, he wrote, you know, what's the, I read his book that he wrote about UFOs towards the end of his life. I can't remember the title, but he talks about this. You know, like this is a mythology for the 20th century. So it's really fascinating because I feel like a, a lot, you know, not a lot of these guys, but you know, a handful of, and it's usually always white men, of course, who are, <laughs> who are like these types of UFO, like culty luminaries. But, uh, yeah, I think like, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's funny to me to watch it. That's another good TV show idea too. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, like a, a Corey Good type guy. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, honestly, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of all ridiculous, but I, for some reason, I like that it's in the field. It's funny to me it, it, it kind of keeps me compelled i check in with what those guys are doing every once in a while i like the weird stuff man <laughs> i can tell man but you're, you're so right the the ufo uh lore mythology or feel i don't know what the fuck to call it anymore that being said um it repeats itself over and over again. You have the contactees, you have the abductees in the 80s and 90s. Now we have these dudes claiming, you know, they were working with Obama on Mars in a secret soldier program. Absolutely. absolutely. And you know what, Ryan? It's like, it goes back even further than that. When you read, when you read, you know, the works of Valet and stuff like Passport to Magonia, it's like these patterns of like, you know, abductees, contactees, and it's undeniable when you read the work of Belay that this stuff has been going on for a long, long time, <laughs> like thousands of years, probably before man, you know, like, so it's almost like these patterns, they, it just alters itself as we evolve technologically, you know, it's, it's very strange. It's yeah. very strange. Pasolka you know, like, all over again, man. <laughs> it really is. And who, I mean, and like, even you, you know, read, you know, you deep dive into Dinah Walsh's book and, uh, the latest book. And you're like, how many religions that are still around today were started by potentially a UFO incident? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, but it's, it's food, food for thought for sure. It's food for thought. And, you know, the idea of deception, I struggle with it because like, I believe that there's, 99% of alien abduction testimony and everything is either, you know, regressed memories of trauma right. or right. Uh, delusion or straight up just bullshitting. But then there's like, dude, there's always that 1% where I'm like, holy oh, crap. Yeah. I believe Oh, no, that. I'm with you. I, see, I'm, I, I totally agree. Like, I mean, like, you know, like even, even like looking at like the Travis, you know, some of the big, big, you know, yeah. no abductee case like Travis Walden, Willie Strieber. 
I actually believe, like you, you said earlier, I believe that they believe. So that is enough for me to be really interested, you know, in, in a weird way, because I'll, we'll never know for sure. You know, like it's not like, you know, Travis Walton's going to produce like concrete evidence at this point or Whitley for that matter. Yeah. But uh, the way they did talk, I mean, it, it's, I find it very compelling. So I don't want to throw out these cases, you know, and I, I and I'm actually, I, I love the John Max book abduction back in the day. It scared the hell out of me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. That was a very powerful book. And I think it's like, you know, whether or not any of it's true, it, it almost doesn't matter to me anymore. You know, like it's just interesting. It really is. And I feel like there's just something going on that's non-human. <laughs> you know, like that's all I know. That's the only conclusion I can make of all this stuff is like, I believe there is a phenomenon. I believe we have no idea. And we're probably not even close to an answer. And we probably never will be. That's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the opening uh, buffer for the episode. Just, I, I'm marking it. I'm marking it right here. Actually, <laughs> yeah. None of none of these things I'm saying is original thought at all. It's just you know, it's really probably it's pulling from your show, pulling from Greg's show, Tim's show, and all the books I've read. So it's just you know, it, it's weird because I kind of I, I sort of like refound the UFO topics. I'd grown up loving it, but there was like this like kind of lag period. I think like around like 2008 or something like that. I'm like, oh, I'm just tired of reading the forums. Nothing's new. And then I started hearing like Greg's show, and people started talking about Jacques Vallée and John Keel. I was like, ooh, hold on, yeah, yeah, this stuff isn't dead yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's know, like, it's Dracula, dude. You take the stake yeah. out and you start all over again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'll always be interested in this stuff, man. I, I, I root for it. I want more information. I hope this disclosure thing is the real deal. And maybe we get like, you know, some more light shined on this and we can get maybe an answer or two would be really cool. Or even just, you know, they would elaborate more on maybe some of the patterns that they've found with these objects that are flying around the sky. I would love to know because that would be that would be incredible. Even that they like we've noticed a pattern with these things. I mean, like that would be so cool to know. It, it but beyond be. that, I just don't think we're it's going to bear the fruit that everyone wants. I would have to agree. I don't think we're ever going to fully know the truth. But yeah. you know, there's people like you and Greg and all the UFO researchers. No matter what their belief system are or their approach, like we're all just stumbling along on the journey. I yeah. think that's way more important or rewarding than like actually finding that that one answer because there probably isn't yeah. one. No, there, I, I just don't think there really is an answer in like. And the way we perceive answers being answered. Exactly. <laughs> that is such a weird, like garbled weird thing to say. But like, I just, you know, like it's, it's, I don't think it's an, an uh, something that we could even perceive as an answer. Yet I believe that, there, that there's something going on. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it's, it's such a hard thing because like, you know, like I'm sure you run across this thing and like I do all the time when people are like, oh man, you love the UFO stuff. Dude, I totally believe aliens are real. I'm like, Sure, I believe there's aliens out there. And then I told people, like, but I don't think, you know, necessarily that they've ever visited Earth. In fact, I don't. You know, I don't yeah. believe that a biological alien has, intelligent alien has ever been on this planet. I just don't see any real evidence for that. And they're like, wait, what? And then that totally confuses them. And I'm like, oh boy, do you have like two hours for me to explain what I. <laughs> so it's a tough topic to talk about. It That's is. That's why. Your show is a real treat. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I mean, it is. It's that constant struggle of trying to separate E.T. from the UFO. And we yeah. we try to we try to yell that from the rooftops. Like, we're talking about UFOs. We're not talking about aliens and little saucers. Maybe, yeah. but that's not, what, not that, what we're trying to get across. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's not it either. Yeah. I just – but there's – 
But I think it, it's funny that that is really, and I think it's actually people's minds are being opened up a, quite a bit more these days in the last like year or two. It's like, because then now here people say like, well, maybe they're interdimensionals. And these are people just kind of like who aren't into the topic. I'm like, okay, well, another, at least another option is getting out there for people, which I think is good, you know? So, totally. but yeah, there, it's, it's funny that, you know, I guess probably it goes back to Kenneth Arnold and Roswell, the Roswell era that people just, you know, we were kind of in the whole, you know, launching the whole space race thing. And, you know, that was what was in the zeitgeist at the time. So people were like, oh, well, they're obviously from space. Yeah, it all started with Kenneth Arnold and Roswell. God damn it them. Did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or God bless them. Or God bless them, yes. <laughs> they seemingly started a new religion without meaning to. But, um, exactly. exactly. Well, what, uh, what, are there any cases, Steve, that you really, when, when you do have those friends who are like, Dude, UFOs, like when they find out you're into this sort of stuff, what cases do you turn them to where you're like, this is what shows there's a core phenomenon. It's a credible thing. Like, are are there any that really come to mind? Oh, boy. You know, like Paul, I think I'm sure Paul Kimball, was it UFOs Best Evidence? I mean, Paul Kimball, Kimball. the top 10 cases uh, years ago. And I I thought I thought he kind of hit on probably a lot of the mainstream ones. Uh. God, I'm really drawing a blank on those. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. I know I, he did like Rendlesham. Like, yeah, Kexberg. Yeah, Rendlesham is very interesting. Uh, Kexberg. I mean, you know, I think something happened. I don't think it was a UFO. I actually went out to the site. My wife is uh, from close to that area, so okay. Yeah, there was, there was not much there, but <laughs> I did see the acorn uh, statue, which is cool. Yeah, but um. <laughs> I, I can tell you that it's funny because, like, I, I don't really have go-to cases that I point to as, like, dude, see, see? But I have ones that I that I think about a lot myself. Oh, okay. And uh, the Herbert Schirmer, Schirmer one, Ashland, Nebraska. The, uh, other, dude, I I'm just from, covered that. Oh, no way. Yeah. I uh, Dude, see, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, and Ashland is, like, 25 miles away. Wow. So that, for me, was always kind of, like – a really important case just kind of is, you know, sort of happened in my backyard. Actually, over Christmas, I went to go uh, meet with somebody from the library who gave me, who let me see the the police report. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went to like a restaurant to try to talk to some old timers and they were like, oh yeah, we knew him. People, and then people ran him out of town, you know, yeah. and I was like, Very oh man. Sad and, case. And, and that's what they all kind of said. He goes, he goes, he was kind of a sad guy. And I was like, oh man, that's, it has a really unhappy ending, you know, yeah, he changed his stuff. Like it really ruined his life. In covering it on the show, like I had the amazing opportunity and resource to get some, some audio from him, like counting everything it's it's a little creepy again it's one of those cases where i'm like what the hell did this dude have to gain from coming coming out with this story and it ruined him it ruined him i mean (laughs) to the point where he like you said he changed his name he moved out of state he lost his job at the police department like yeah i mean it 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 did not he benefited i mean it it just took it took everything from him but he stuck to it till like his dying day which to me is like all right, either this dude, like, was so delusional that he started to actually believe his own story yeah. or something truly strange yeah. happened to him. I, I I I tend to think that he, again, going back to what you said earlier, I think it's so important, man. I'm going to keep on bringing it up. I believe he believes what he saw. I do. I've, I've, I've like, looked into this 
case since I was a kid. And like, there's not a whole lot to read about it, unfortunately, other than what you know you can easily find on the internet. Yeah. But man, I just don't see that he made this up. I, you know, like in terms of just like pulling it out of thin air, I think either you know he had some kind of delusional episode or some kind of fugue state, or he went to something truly anomalous. And we have to remember, too, that he did go under hypnotic regression, which can be very detrimental yeah. and very well, it, contentious. Yeah. Dude, yes. It's it's crazy. It's actually weird. Hi- hypnosis is getting big with just general therapy in Los Angeles. Is it? Ugh. It really is. I have a friend who's he's been you know goes to you know everyone in LA has a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my friends is going to like a really like you know prestigious like expensive fancy therapist who's like really credited, and he's and this therapist is putting him into hypnosis. And I'm wow. like, whoa, buddy, be careful. <laughs> and he's like, I love it, man. It's actually it's weird. <laughs> I'm getting in touch with my inner child. I'm like, okay, but uh, just you know, be careful. <laughs> yeah. If you hear the word like alien abduction come up. Right. <laughs> or three graves staring out my window. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, call uh, me first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll we'll hash it out before you uh, talk to the therapist. Yeah. I've never talked about UFOs so intensely at this time of day. Yeah, I know, right? Actually, it's at night, you know, after maybe a bong rip and a couple of beers with some buddies or something. Yeah, most of these shows and everything are always like coast to coast, you know, it's like yeah. two in the morning. But right. no, I, I work an evening job. So, like, unfortunately, the mornings are always like the best for me. And I, everyone I, always says the same thing like, it's too early to talk about this shit. <laughs> no, I love it. This gets the day started up right. I'm, you know, buzzed on coffee and uh, this get, is get, fun. Get yeah. <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, that's good yeah. to hear for sure. So, what other uh, uh, cases could you turn us to, man? Well, for modern, the 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 case that blew me away and got me so excited, I think, was the that that's happened in the last twenty years would be the O'Hare uh, International, the Chicago Airport case. Absolutely, that is so fascinating because there were so many witnesses, uh, pilots, people who worked for United Airlines, people who were just at the airport. They all described the exact same thing. And it was really, it's really weird, right? It's really weird. And like, whatever it was, it literally like pierced a hole through the clouds and like took off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that, I'm always so, I remember, do you ever hear the rumor that Dan Aykroyd supposedly paid like a million dollars for like footage of it? Yeah, that would not surprise me. I heard that years ago, but I, you know, I, you know, yet to see anything uh, come out with that. But I'm still hoping if I ever see Dan Aykroyd in L.A., man, that's the first thing I'm going to ask him. Yep, yep, I know. Give me the O'Hara goodies, please. Supposedly there is video footage. I've heard that from several sources, but again, who am I? Like they could be totally making that shit up. But yeah, I mean, there's gotta be one. Produce one, my. God, I mean, I, I just thought that was such a crazy case. And I remember, you know, like even like I think to this day, it was the most hit the Chicago Tribune had ever had. Oh, yeah. Shut down their website. Yeah. yeah it like broke their website. Like there, I mean, there's some great like uh, footage of the the new the local like newscasters like off camera talking about it. And they're like, holy shit. I saw that. That was hilarious. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so funny. I love it. I, I actually, in terms of maybe it's not, you know, on the surface, a UFO case, but Jacques Flay kind of convinced me otherwise that the Fatima incident to me feels like one of the most exciting potential UFO cases. Can you imagine like these these kids or whatnot? And then eventually a lot of people were 
thinking they're having like a miraculous experience. Meantime, it's like a, a being from Zeta Reticuli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it's both. Uh, Who knows? It's both, dude. dude like I, I think. Well, it's it's also weird. It's like you know, like he. What's interesting? There's a chapter in one of uh, the latest books where he writes about the year before on the same day. Mm-hmm. These kids actually saw these beings. Really? Another group of so it was like this was not like an isolated incident, but the, the Fatima one just got a lot more buzz and press and it had a lot more witnesses. But this this had happened the year prior. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, it's uh it's I can't remember what book it is. I think it might be I don't know if you've read a uh, Jacques Vallée's uh Forbidden Science series where it's just his journals. That's the only one I have not read. Yeah. So yeah, he's got a volume one through four and I've only read one through three, but man, they are so important to read if you're into this stuff. I feel like it's almost like my favorite UFO stuff is his journals because it's like it is deep and it is personal and it is really like he is really trying to hash this stuff out. Yeah. And it is so deeply fascinating. My God. Yeah. It's it's um, interesting to have seen the trajectory Valet has taken, you know, since he started all this. And now he kind of has uh, not turned his back on UFO studies but at least on the ufo field and community and a big part of me does not blame him one bit of course yeah yeah it's sobering to say the least but he's done he's done like proposing these theories and getting his information out there in in turn you have these cult leaders and these charlatans just like sucking off the valet teat as it were. yeah yeah no it's it's it, it is i mean i i think like i don't even know where this field would be imagine it without that guy you know like it, it really is hard to imagine the ufo field without jacques life for me because without the work of his work i would not i probably would have lost interest 10, 15 years ago, to be same, honest. Same. Uh, when, when I kind of rediscovered him, you know, 10 years ago, it was, I all of a sudden I had never been more interested in UFOs. Yeah. You know, like it, it's just, he, he's going to places where I feel like are, it's just, I, 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 the one disappointing thing is, is that I wish more people would follow his lead and kind of like go down the paths that he's lighting for all of us. And like you are, and like Greg is and but I, I wish it, it still feels like a small faction of us uh, Jacques Vallée devotees. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I always kind of term, like, you know, people who are into the Jacques Vallée stuff, like, you know, Greg and, like, Red Pill Junkie and those guys in uh, the punk rock of UFO. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Like, you know. going against the norm and... Yeah. yeah. We, we should it's start not- the uh, the Valet cast, I think. Dude, I'm so in. I'm in. I look at a card carrying member. Yeah, because that, that's where really where my interest lies is is in all these thought experiments and just try to take the topic as far as you can. You know, like because I, I when the the one problem with with when people get too I think attached to all the you know the government stuff being the answer and you know the conspiracy stuff. It's just – it's almost like you've made up your mind and just said, I'm, I want to stop learning. The government knows until they give me the answers. You know, It's like I'm like, yeah, but you're not really learning anything new. And it just seems like also such a negative like kind of like I'm, – I'm, really I'm really not a big conspiracy theory guy. Like I find it so – I find it very toxic, especially nowadays where people take them so literally. I mean – Good lord. <laughs> how, how boring, man. Like, trust, or not trusting, but how boring would it be to accept the answer by the government about UFOs? Like, yeah. uh, like you said, they've been probably lying for a really long time and not mm-hmm. lying about like being in cohorts with the aliens right. or just right. like lying that they 
they're in control of it or that mm-hmm. they know what's going on. They don't know right. anything. They, they don't. And that makes me really be sympathetic to their situation. You know, if you think about it, if they were to come out in 1950s saying, like, look, there are these crafts that appear to be physical and they're controlled by a non-human intelligence and we can't do anything about it. Anyways, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here's Wonderwall. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So you can kind of, like, see how, you know, not that I'm one of these people like, oh, if, the UFO, if we came out with the UFO knowledge, like, you know, society would completely collapse. I don't think that would be the case. Yeah. But I do think it would potentially be, you know, hurtful for, to the government military if they, you know, <laughs> admitted that there's something that's out of their control. They are a control system. And when a control system admits they're out of control, the control system fails. So Perfect. Yep. I couldn't, I couldn't summarize that any better, my friend. <laughs> um, well, okay. So. Moving to sort of your current work, that which we can connect to sure. to UFOs, absolutely. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. this is what I was really excited to get you on. You know, other than talking about it over an hour about UFOs, um, Voyage to the Stars. This is so cool, man. How did this come to be? How did you get involved? Give us sort of the uh, the origin story of Voyage to the Stars. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, Voyage to the Stars is a uh, science fiction, uh, it's a it's a science fiction improvised podcast that kind of plays upon, like, all the, you know, big science fiction tropes, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. It kind of plays with all those and flips them around and uh, turns into a sort of a dark comedy. So I got involved uh, I, for years and years and years and years, kind of made my bones in the improv and sketch comedy stages in L.A. And um, so I got approached by the creator, Ryan Koppel, to do this show. And, he, you know, because he, he knew I was an improviser and also kind of knew that I was into space stuff, I suppose. <laughs> or a little, a little <laughs> geek, geek, the geek world, whatever. I don't know. But uh, so anyways, yeah, we got together and uh, it's, you know, Colton Dunn, who was a legendary improviser and on the show Superstore is on it. Uh, Felicia Day, who is a great improviser and also just kind of like, you know, a internet queen. She is a, right. you know, very large figure. And then Jenna Varney, who is another wonderful comedian on a lot of TV shows and stuff like that. And yeah, so it just kind of, all, luckily it all worked out. So none of us had ever really, ever really improvised together. So yeah, we, it's, it's kind of like a curb your enthusiasm type situation where we get like a brief outline of what the episode is, the story we need to drive forward. And we just kind of go off on our own and improvise the dialogue. That's really cool. Again, like yeah. it's, it's not really, in my opinion, really been done in the podcasting world. It's like, yeah, you have these scripted stories that have, the whole thing outlined and planned from yeah. the beginning, but like you guys are like discovering, uh, discovering like the story on the way. That's really interesting. It it is fun. It's a, you know it's a fun way because you have to really be on your toes. So it is like you know it's like playing music where you really have to be present, and really really listen because like it's not like we're doing like an improv show like on stage where it's like you know we get a suggestion of orange peel and create a forty minute show off that. <laughs> this we're actually having to tell a very somewhat complicated narrative. Right. While improvising dialogue, so it it is it is quite challenging to be honest. Like even though I've been improvising for over fifteen years, it's still probably what the hardest thing in the improv realm that I've ever had to do. But it's been a ton of fun, man. So it's been great, and we're doing you know we're doing a quite a few live shows around LA and San Francisco, and I'm actually going to Nashville today to go. We're going to go do some shows this weekend, and uh, 
Oh, yeah, wow. it'll be a lot of fun. The live performing is really the most fun for me because that's kind of what I grew up doing. So it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how well a podcast works live. I, I was very skeptical of it working, but I'm shocked. Yeah, because it really is just like you're just doing a live show, like a live comedy show. Cool. And you know what? It really is, I think, the wave of the future when it comes to both comedy mm-hmm. and radio. It's like mixing these two worlds together uh, that may not have... Well, yeah, I mean, we've had comedy radio shows since the dawn of the radio, but at the same time, like, this idea of podcasting, it's, it seems old at this point, but it's actually still fairly new. And the fact that, like, the comedy world has tapped into that and taken advantage of that, it's super exciting. I could not agree with you more. I think, I think this is like, well, it's here to stay, whether we like it or not. I mean, and, and I can tell you just from, like, I mean, I know, like, all these production companies out in LA are now developing uh, podcast productions offshoots. Yeah. So it, they they are it, it really is a race to monetize podcasts right now. I think so, and vice versa. You know, a lot yeah. of TV and movies now are based directly off of podcasts. So I mean, absolutely, totally. Yeah, it is a cycle for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think I think they're great though because it's like you know largely free content that, and then you know obviously with anything like TV, movies, and podcasts, you have to kind of like weed through some crap to get to the good stuff. But when you find a good podcast, man, like yours. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I, it's it's something I look forward to. It's like, you know, it's like appointment TV. It's like when, you know, when a new podcast comes out, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> you know, especially because I spent a lot of time in my car living in L.A. So right. I find them I'm, – I'm very grateful for the podcast world. Me too. I mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, it's great though, man. Like your show is important, you know, and, and we may not be able to hear it if there wasn't podcast. So it's uh, – Damn, man, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I really appreciate that, dude. And like what I said off air, like you don't realize when you start this podcasting thing how much you can actually affect people or how many Mm -hmm. people actually listen. Like every week I'm like, oh, cool, it did okay. But then you have, you know, I had a guy say he had just gotten through a divorce and he was depressed. And he said, like, I listen to your show every week and it really kept me going. Or if I could keep people distracted from the horrible shit in their lives, or the boring stuff in their lives. Yep. Um, like, that job well done. The fact that people yeah. may actually get something from the show, that's all I could ever ask for. Well, I think that should be – it would be great if all artists felt that way. It's, you know, truly, like, I, I mean, like, I'm not trying to sound like this altruistic, you know, like, oh, man, I'm just in, doing it for the art. But, like, I do believe that as well. Like, the only reason I, you know, gravitate towards entertainment is because, like, how can I – like, not the only reason. Obviously, a lot of it's self-serving. But, like, <laughs> I, I feel like true. this is the way I can help society a little bit. <laughs> I'm not, you know – I am not. I couldn't be a doctor. I couldn't be a lawyer. I couldn't do a lot of things. But I feel like you know I can make people giggle and maybe forget about the problems for a minute or two. So I love that. It, it, it sounds like oh man, how pretentious. But like it, it is true. Like you said, like it's cool when you find out that a podcast you did or any kind of piece of art you did affected people. That's kind of the goal, right? It is. <laughs> it is. At the end you know? of the day, like we all are striving like to connect with one another, and if I we think can so too. evoke a reaction out of someone or a complete stranger, like job yeah. well done. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, so I feel like music and all music and art is like the only like, like positive thing left in the world right now. <laughs> and man, so we have to hold on to it tight and uh, really take, take care of free, free uh, expression. So yeah, we laugh because it's true. <laughs> we laugh because it's true, man. It's uh, yeah, I read, I was reading the paper before uh, I got on with you. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god. <laughs> let's forget that and let's talk about yeah. Please God, I'm just waiting for Ryan to call me. <laughs> Pull me out of this muck. <laughs> uh, well, Steve, it has been such an honor, man. I'm so happy I was able to get you on. I got to ask you before we go, are you working on anything UFO related right now? Or um, you said you're heading to Nashville right after this. My God, I man, am. get packing. Like what? Yeah, what, I, what do you I, got I haven't coming done up? that yet. Uh, well, uh, I'm, you know, a lot of podcast stuff this summer, festivals and uh, all the whatnots and comedy. Fe- I always do like a lot of comedy festivals in the summer anyways. It's, it's just fun to do. The summer summer's typically slower out here. It's yeah. uh People get lazy in Hollywood or taking vacations. So <laughs> right now, yeah, honestly, I'm working on a show, uh, an animated show on Netflix called Hoops. Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, kind of a regular character on that. And so that's really I've been most of what I've been working on last month or so has been kind of dedicated towards that. But it is going to be I feel like I feel like it's the funniest thing I've ever been a part of. So I'm really excited about it. I've been kind of like really wanting to get on a really good animated show. It's been kind of a big dream of mine. So I feel like, oh, man, I feel like this is the right one. I love it. The writing is bananas. It's so, 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 so good. And uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm working on the next like month. And then after that, I'm going to just kind of take some vacations and uh, do some writing. And then back in the fall, I'll be, you know, I may be returning to this show and, uh, you know, back to auditions and back to uh Back to the, looking for work. <laughs> Back to the grind, man. To the grind, man. Yeah. <laughs> and and just, also, I, I like that summer is a little slower though, because it's like January, like May has been just insane for me. So I'm like ready to slow it down a little bit. Maybe do a little flat. <laughs> yeah. Well, well deserved vacation. I, mean. I, uh, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Where can we uh, find out what you're up to and where to find voyage? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't do like social media a ton, but I'm trying to get better at it. So if you want to follow me on those things, my handle is Burgmaster5000 on Twitter and Instagram. So you can probably find out any kind of show I'm doing or whatnot. But uh, if you live in Nashville and you're a time traveler, come to the show this weekend. <laughs> I'll get you a free ticket. Just say you're a friend of Ryan's. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. Gotta love those deals. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on Somewhere Buddy, in the Skies. any damn time, I had an absolute blast. This is so fun talking with you, dude. You're, you're, you get it. You get it. That is it for this week's episode. Again, thanks to Steve Berg. You could check him out on Drunk History on Comedy Central. And be sure to go back and watch his drunk retelling of the Roswell UFO incident. Again, AlienCon Los Angeles is quickly approaching. It's going to be a crazy few days, so I hope you can join me and many other UFO and paranormal podcasts as we dive deep into why we do these shows. I'll be giving my own solo presentation and also taking part on several panels and doing live podcast recordings of Somewhere in the Skies and Unknown with an audience. You can join us on June 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Get tickets at thealiencon.com and use the promo code SKIES for discount tickets. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, your Android apps, or wherever you listen to the show from. It helps us gain visibility and find new listeners. Be sure to check out the merch store on TeePublic. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And just search for the Summer in the Skies store. We're on Twitter at Summer Skies and Instagram at Summer Skies Pod. Thank you, as always, to the E1 Podcast Network, KGRA Radio, Rogue Planet, and to you for listening. 
I'll see you here next week. And remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. In reality, UFOs are seen by people from all walks of life, every day, all around the world. They've also been officially investigated by the U.S. government and by governments of several other countries, too. That's just a small element of what makes the strange UFO topic so incredibly fascinating and fun to explore. That's what we do on the UFO podcast, Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan, and I invite you to explore the weird and wonderful world of UFOs with me and my friends and colleagues on Unknown. Unknown is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all the usual podcasts. Places. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.